Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church. We are talking about the good news or what it means to share our faith and share the hope we have in Jesus with the other people around us in our lives. Today, I'm gonna to be teaching from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. Before we talk about today's passage, I wanna share a story of maybe how not to be sharing the good news or how not to be sharing the message of Jesus. In college, I was a waiter. And one day, waiting tables, making polite conversation, they asked me what I do. And I said, well, I'm a student. And they were like, student of what? I said, well, I study religion and sociology at Rutgers. And they said, oh, okay. Do you know what's most important in following Jesus? And I was like, um, I think love, probably, I said at the time. And I still probably believe that. And they said, ah, I'll give you an example of why you're wrong. I was like, okay. And they said, Luke chapter 3. What does John baptize people for? And I thought at the time, and I was like, I think I know this. Forgiveness of sins. He said, wrong again. It's repentance and forgiveness of sin. And that's why correct doctrine and orthodoxy is the most important aspect of following Jesus. At the time, at 20, I kind of walked away scratching my head and feeling kind of dumb about myself. And I was like, uh, I, get, I guess that's most important. And I'll just tell you right now, it's not. Correct doctrine and orthodoxy is important, knowing what God has spoken. But the love of Jesus is so much more important. But all of that to say, they started a conversation with someone they don't know, didn't build relationship with me, and then lectured me about my knowledge of scripture and what that means in my life. So many times in sharing the gospel, we feel like, A, we're just doing it cold, trying to reach somebody. We have a little track on a table or start a random conversation at the boardwalk or starting some random thing. Two, we make it all about knowing the correct things. When what we're going to talk about today and what I believe scripture shows us today is that sharing the good news of Jesus comes from the loving actions of our regular life the people God has put in our life, and what he's doing in us and through us. It should be a natural outpouring of living life as a follower of Jesus, not a manufactured system with drawings and charts. It's about being uniquely Christian and the joy and love that flows from that. Let's see actually what Peter, uh, one of the early church leaders and disciple of Jesus, says about it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-12, through 12, Peter says, He's continuing, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Close the book. Turn off the tablet. Done. That's enough preaching. This is a passage from Peter. He's responding to an earlier thought. That's why he says, you're not like that. And so the passages directly before this, we're going to look at to give some context. Peter's been talking in this story about how Jesus is the center of it all. He uses the phrase capstone. He's what holds it all together. But as a capstone, he is the stone that the builders rejected. 
people who were seeking life and seeking peace for their souls saw the idea of Jesus, saw King Jesus, and rejected him, not realizing that he is the core and center of all of it. Because he came as a king to suffer and be a servant. And people wanted power and might, someone that was going to take over. But instead, Jesus, the king, laid down his life. And so they rejected that idea of grace and mercy and rejected that idea of self-sacrificial love and continued to look for power. And as the people of his day rejected that idea, it's still true today. We still want to make it and we want to define it on our own strength. We want to have power and influence over this world. And to those of us that want power, Jesus is a stumbling block, as Peter says. He says it like this earlier verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. It's natural and human to want to make this about our own strength and power. I want influence. I want comfortability. I want nice things. I want control over other people. And when I find that the key to life, the key to my eternal soul is laying down my life and is serving a God that has all power but laid that down, sometimes that's a stumbling block. And it's a stumbling block in that when we choose, as Peter writes here, that I want to make it on my own merits, I want to deserve it myself, I want to earn it, and I want to be able to look and say, it's because I was good enough, it's because I was smart enough, it's because I was generous enough that I made my way into heaven or eternity or nirvana or whatever you want to call it. He says, for those people that want to define it on their own, they will realize they can't possibly follow it well enough. Jesus says this earlier in a passage where he says, if you try to do it by holiness, you're going to have to pluck out your own eye, you're going to have to cut off your own arm, and you're going to enter eternity mutilated if you want to do it on your own merits and worth. To this end, the grace of God, you can't earn it, you can't work it, you can't deserve it, it's given to you by grace, becomes a stumbling block for those who say, no, I want to do this. I want this to be on my own merits. And this is where we begin our main passage. This is what Peter is saying. He's saying, but that's not what it's like for you. You're different. As Jesus says it in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Our message of good news is rooted in the different way we live our life that we live differently than the world around us. We choose differently, we act differently, we love differently. And there's no sense in sharing a clever story about salvation and a, a gap that's missing for a cross to lay down if our life isn't different. If they don't look at us and say, there's something different about that woman, there's something different about that man. What is there different about us? What separates us from the rest of the world? I'm going to make an argument today that maybe is a little different than other sermons you've heard. I genuinely believe what makes us different is joy, is an expression of joy, is a life of joy, is sharing joy. Jesus says in John, John 13, that they will know we're different because of our love, how we love one another. And Peter, in an earlier passage, talks about holiness in Peter chapter 1, that holiness sets us apart. 
But in both of these, how we love and how we live set apart, I believe joy is at the core of it. It's impossible to love others from an abundance if there's not joy in our heart. And when we're set apart, what are we set apart for? But to live as an expression of joy and full of joy in this world. But I want to define joy because what do we mean when we say joy? We mean a million different things. I'm going to define it using the research of uh, a neuroscientist, psychologist, and pastor I've come to appreciate, Jim Wilder. He defines joy like this. Joy is a relational experience that forms the basis for spiritual experience, human bonding, and healthy identity growth and good health in general. It is the feeling that people feel when they fall in love with their baby, their first love, a puppy, or the face that just lights up to see us. Joy is the recognition that someone else sees value in us. Joy is that feeling when we know someone else values our existence, values who we are, values our life. When another being, another person says they are glad to be around us, they are grateful and made happy by our presence, that someone else loves to be around us, that is the expression and feeling of joy. This is why I believe joy is the key to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and why I believe that the good news and our evangelistic life is centered in our worship life and our experience of the presence of God. It is found when we discover our value by our creator and savior. Joy is found when we recognize that the God who made us made us in his image, has a plan for us, and wants to be with us forever. When we practice meditating on that, when we share that with each other, when we sing that as a reality, it fills our hearts with joy to know that the Creator God values life with us. The good news is that you are not an accident. Your life is on purpose because you are valuable and your sins and failures don't make you less valuable because Jesus loved you through your sin and died to reclaim you and cleanse you by his blood. The good news is that this message of value was sealed by the blood of Jesus and then made reality by the Holy Spirit living in you to remind you every day that you are desired and valued. God valued you so much that he chose to live in you and work through you. The good news is that your life is so valuable that when you die on this earth, you open your eyes into an eternity with a God that wants to spend eternity with you, body and soul. That's how valuable you are. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, that your life has value, that your eternity has value, and that that value is most preciously seen in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the birthing of joy. That's why every sermon is basically centered in this idea. This is where our joy wells from, that we have value and are loved by our Creator. That value should bring you joy, should give you joy. And I know maybe in the beginning it does and then it sort of wanes as the rest of life moves on, but this is where meditating back on the person of Jesus and what he's done refills us with joy again. 
So how does Peter say it? What does that joy look like and how is it lived out? There's four things he says specifically in this passage. He says, we are a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation, and we are God's very own possession. Let's look at each of these four and how these are overwhelming expressions of the joy of God working and moving in our lives. The first thing Peter tells us is that we are a chosen people. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 says it like this, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. I don't know if anyone out there specifically needs to hear that, but if you do, God has chosen you out of all the 8 billion or so people on this earth to be in relationship with him, to know his grace and mercy, to experience his presence. You are chosen by God. It has been years since I was in a circumstance where I had to be chosen or picked on a team. Probably a good decade since I was chosen for a team. But I remember two team captains picking between two groups and the anxiety you would feel of, please don't let me be picked last. Please don't let me be picked last. In fact, I don't even want to be towards the bottom third of it. I, I've always been okay at sports and I've never, I don't think, been chosen last. But that moment towards the end where you're like, oh, no, please. In our faith, each of us is chosen first, always. We are chosen, desired. God has picked you, selected you to be a part of his kingdom. Embrace the joy that you are wanted, chosen, and pursued to be in community with Christ Jesus. You are a chosen person. God wanted you. He selected you. He didn't have to, but he wanted you in his presence. Paul says it like this to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gives God pleasure to choose you. He desired you and has called you. One, we're a chosen people. Find joy. You are chosen. Number two, we are a royal priesthood. Being a royal priesthood, what does that even mean in this context? How am I a royal priest? We have to understand a bit of the Old Testament and a bit of history. In the Old Testament, there are three roles. There's a prophet, there's a priest, and a king. In a royal priesthood, we're combining two of those, the king role and the priest role. In the Old Testament, the priest was the one who made sacrifices for the people. The priest was the one who interceded for God's people. Think about it like Moses on the mountain and the Israelites are failing God down below. And God says, I'm going to destroy these people. They're rebellious. I, I regret that I saved them. And Moses reminds God, God, remember who you are. You're gracious and merciful and you called these people. And also, how's it going to look to all the other spiritual beings if you can't follow through on your promise? And then God says, you're right, Moses. I forgot who I was. I'm going to move on with my people. Moses interceded between the righteousness of God and the brokenness of his people. That's what a priest does. He intercedes between God and their people. Often in the Old Testament, that was by slaughtering a lamb, offering sacrifices. 
A king represents God's will on earth. A king is someone who rules God's people and his nation in the way God would desire for him to rule. And so the king rules on God's behalf. Where the priest is kind of in between, the king is also in between, but he's bringing God's authority down to the people. And his job is to, basically, God's kingdom come, his will be done, is to lead God's people and for God's people to spread over the earth, and he's enacting God's rule and reign. They're rarely ever the same person. It's not supposed to be the same person because those two roles don't always quite line up, and in some ways, it's too much power until Jesus. Jesus is both prophet, priest, and king, and in being a royal priest, Jesus has all of God's authority and power, but uses that to intercede for his people. He is the king who lays down his life for his people. He is the ruler and he's the sacrificial lamb. This is the one with all the power who then uses that power to intercede. We are chosen by Jesus Christ to care for this world and his people and to rule over this world and his people the same way Christ Jesus did. We'll see an example of this royal priesthood from our earlier story of Moses as he comes down off the mountain in Exodus 34, verse 29. When Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. For those of us called by Christ Jesus, like Moses, we are to shine God's presence. We are to represent God here on this earth. This is our joy, the joy of being in the presence of our creator who loves us. This is what it means to be a royal priest. We intercede in prayer and in seeking for our loved ones, for friends, family, neighbor. We bring it into our spiritual life, into the presence of God. We bring their needs and desires. And as we meet with God, we begin to look like God and we begin to get a sense for how Jesus would live, how Jesus would rule, And then as we exit his presence, we have the mark of being with God. That mark being joy. His joy shines out of us. So you are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. And number three, we are a holy nation. As Paul says, continuing to the Ephesians church, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And so when it comes to sharing the good news, first is we celebrate and we embrace the joy that we are chosen. Two is we bring the needs of others before God in our own uh, intercession and desire for his presence. And then as we leave God's presence, we have the joy with us. And now as a holy nation, we bring joy into this world by showing others they have value. They have value to God through us. They have value to their creator through the work of the church. We do this by serving the community, by serving others, by loving others, welcoming others, and being fully present with the relationships God has blessed us with. We are set apart as a holy nation for good works. One of my favorite theories about the Exodus is that the Exodus left Egypt. The Israelites left Egypt traveled through Sinai, and for 40 years they were wandering the desert because of their disobedience. And one of the theories is by the time they get to Canaan, they are significantly larger than when they left. Why would they be larger? Why would that possibly be the case? They're wandering around in the desert. We read 
tons of stories of God opening the earth to swallow people and there's plagues going on in them. It's hot there. A whole generation dies out. Why would they be larger when they get to the promised land? Simply put, the way they lived was infectious and was attractional. People wanted to be in a kingdom like that. People wanted to be a part of a group like that. As they left Egypt, they had no king. They had no warlord. No one they offered sacrifices to and would slaughter their children. They all lived together and trusted that God was their king and provider. And for others who lived under warlords and experienced that pain, they would see the nation of Israel and they'd say, I want that life. I want to be like that. I want to be cared for like that. This is what we are called to be as a church. As we live as a holy nation, we serve and we love and we give and we show value to this world through loving and sharing the joy God has put in us. The good news is healing the broken and giving sight to the blind. The church has been set apart to bring healing and show value. This is why we have service projects. This is why we have local church partners and Mercer Street friends and Homefront and Task. This is why we serve and care for those broken around us. This is why we partner with those bringing the gospel message of value and love around the world. This is why we serve, because we are a different people with a calling to bring value into this world. A life of joy, a life of good news, is sharing value by serving others. So we are chosen, we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation, and then last and final, we are God's very own possession. Ephesians, again, chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. The greatest joy and the heart of the good news is that our God wants us. Our God desires to be around us. I know myself. I live with myself. And to me, it is shocking that God wants to be with me all the time for all eternity. That my creator who sees my thoughts and the darkness of my heart still wants me and loves me and considers being with me a blessing that he came and died in my place, and that brings him joy? That is where joy overflows in our life. We are God's masterpiece that he has planned to be with from the beginning of creation and has a desire to be with for all eternity. This is the good news, that our creator wants us and considers being with us a blessing to his life itself. When it comes to sharing the good news, it's not a methodology, a system, or any form of being clever. It is a natural outpouring of a life filled with joy. And a life of joy comes from loving, valued relationships. As followers of Jesus, we have the best one there is. Our Creator has pursued us and died for us and desires to live in us and with us forever. And so if you want a practical step for this, cheer up. Find joy in the presence of God with you. Build resilient joy. It doesn't mean you have to smile all the time. And there are sorrow and tears over injustice and pain in this world. But that despite all of the pain of this world, we have the joy of knowing that our God is good and desires us and has called us to be a part of his kingdom.
Throughout this series, we have four simple steps. And today, you can apply this passage from Peter directly into them of how to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The first one is, rekindle your flame. Renew your conviction around the good news. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you may have to take an extra step or go an extra mile. Get a new book that points you back to Jesus. Spend time specifically meditating on him. Join a new small group that's different from the people you've been with for years. Take a weekend meditation or trip or conference or retreat. Re-embrace the love that God has for you the joy of your salvation. Rekindle the excitement that your God came for you, made you, and desires to live with you forever by the power of Jesus Christ. Number two is pray. Be this royal priesthood. Don't try to argue someone into the kingdom. Love and pray them into the kingdom. Pray for them every day. Pray for them and intercede in their place. Ask God to meet them and trust that there is a Holy Spirit working ahead of you that can work in their heart and in their mind and can draw them into the love of their creator. Third is go. And go specifically to the broken places. Serve at one of our service projects. Go to someone who's hurting and spend time with them. Jesus Christ followed that pattern. He went to those who were vulnerable and hurting. Make space in your life. If everything in your life is with people you know and it's comfortable and it's easy, Break out of that and go serve somewhere that may make you uncomfortable. Those are the people who need love most. Fourth and final, be present. Be present where you are. Be present in conversations. Be present in relationships. Be present in your community. Look around you and look for people who need love and kindness and share it with them. When someone's talking to you about their life, listen fully. And as you do that, be present to the Holy Spirit as well, that he's speaking with you, guiding you, and directing your steps. So, be yourself. Rekindle your flame. Pray over them. Go and be present. For those of you who may be watching this, and you yourself may not have a relationship with Jesus, and as we talked about all that good news, you may not be confident that you have that good news in your life, that God feels that way about you. I'm here to tell you, he absolutely does feel that way about you. You absolutely are chosen. If you're hearing this message, you are chosen for a relationship with Jesus Christ. God is pursuing you because of his love for you and your value to him. And I wanna offer you a chance just to pray this prayer with me as a first step responding to his call in your life. If you could pray this with me. Jesus Christ, I respond to your loving grace. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to be saved by you. I want to have my eternity secure and my sins forgiven by you. Jesus, I believe that you lived on this earth as God and man. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, my shame. You died in my place, were buried in the ground, and on the third day, you rose again to eternal life and so that I may have eternity with you. You gave your life for me, Jesus. Today, I give my life to follow you. In the name and power of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you prayed that for the first time today, click one of the links around this video and let us know. We would love to celebrate with you and also resource you in your journey of coming to know Jesus more and more. Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church.